Welcome around down the only autopers and papers and podcasts. There's ask what is good or not is bad. I'm Chid the autopers and papers and question of joining my usual co-host, a man who is wearing a backwards hat because he's cool. It's Saifietti. Hey. You shaved this week, buddy. I did for a Halloween costume. Because you were you were Garth? I was Garth, but uh I'm regretting it immediately. My shaving was twofold though, because my niece who uh, is eight months old, does not like facial hair on men. And she does not allow me to hold her on women. Maybe I haven't asked her, Uh, but she does not allow me to hold her. She cries. So I was like, well, I, uh, I have this Halloween costume. I'm going to shave and it'll be twofold because, you know, she'll let me hold her. Excuse me. I learned from the many saints of Newark that the reason why she doesn't want you to hold her is because one day you will get her into the mafia and then murder her. She's aware of that already. So that's <laughs> that's a key plot point in the very good movie, The Many Saints of Newark. No one could see your quotation fingers except me. I, I emphasized it with my voice. Oh, it's good. Yeah, you're you're capable of making stuff up just just on the right off the dome. I am. I call it freebasing. So I'm tonight dressed, size wearing a backwards hat, as <laughs> uh, per usual. It's a Boston Bruins hat. He's a real puck cuck, as he says on the Twitter yeah, profile. That's true. Uh, I'm dressed uh, very formally. I'm I'm biz cash still because I just got off a, a meeting, even though it is now 9 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, here's what I got to say. Bragging about having a job. My my new job, uh, I, I never anticipated that I'd be talking to clients from down under. Oh, did you, uh, are you picking up on the accents? Are you getting uh, good accent inspiration? Uh, let's just say yes. But I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, like if you asked if like there was a character from Australia who was joining us, I might, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know if there is or not. What do you, is there? I have to send out an invitation formally to an Australian. Hello, Sai. It's me, your <laughs> friend on the Kangaroo King from Jupiter, Florida. Is it the Australian asshole? Not, no, it's me, the Kangaroo <laughs> King from Jupiter, Florida. I'm not from Australia. I'm from Jupiter, Florida. I keep saying that. How do you feel about swimming with uh, manta rays? Uh, I, I feel quite right about that i i've swum with many animals manta rays crocodiles although uh, actually alligators because in florida they have alligators oh wow um it's very nice to have you uh all the way from jupiter florida yeah that's right what's florida like right now Uh, i know my friend chid was in florida recently did you see him I didn't see Chid, but I do know they have a massive COVID outbreak. It's killing thousands. Do you think that was Chid's fault? Uh, Chid seems like a nice bloke. (laughs) I don't think he's murdering people. But Sai, I can see you're you're calling in from a padded room. I am in a padded room. It's true. It's bloodstained and there's (laughs) lots, loads of wires and hangers and other implements of death. Yeah, you can't see the meat hook, but it's up there. It's been a fortnight since we've last spoke. It has been quite a while since I spoke to you. What would you say your favorite thing about um, not being Australian, but in Florida is? Oh, I love the outback of, of Florida. Uh, sorry, of Florida. I love the Florida outback. And I call the whole central section of Florida the outback. The, the likes, the people, the culture, it's it's very wonderful. You, you really like that blooming Onion, do you? 
Oh, I love blooming onions. Yes. As you know, Outback Steakhouse started in Florida. Quite right. Quite right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> okay, so, see you later. All right. It was nice talking to you. Wow, that guy stopped by. That was weird. You don't yeah. usually have guests in the first four minutes of the show. Yeah. Um, he seems delightful, though. Uh, yeah, I mean, like he can, you can welcome on. Yeah. I feel like, you know, in our, we let people just come on the show. They just blow in and we do let people come in the show and leave. But yeah, he can come on anytime he wants. I, you can invite him. Like he can be summoned very easily. Yeah. Uh, well, for tonight's show, we have a, a really great guest, someone we want to talk to. I think we should probably get into that. Before I do that, Cy, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I am drinking a Wolf's Creek IPA uh, from the main beer company. Uh, so down east truly down east i'll show you on the camera here yeah that was a beer uh as has been revealed on the show maybe i was i got married in maine i don't know if it's been revealed on the show i think the main married in maine part you've that's been revealed well people were drinking that peeper which is a main beer company yeah. it's called peeper people were there was a lot of peeper happening at my wedding and let's just say there was a lot of peeping too mm, yeah i did a lot of watching at your wedding you did a lot of peeping of guests. So I was just walking around with his fucking peepers out, just yeah. peeping at everybody. I was staring at everyone. He was like, I don't know a lot of these 200 people. I'm just fucking peeping at them all. Like yep. he was just peeping at all of my friends and family members. It was true. His big peepers. Yep. From parts unknown, weighing in at 385 pounds, he's six foot two because Cy asked him his height before he came on the show. And he's here to talk about AEW. It's your friend, Benoit Ball. What's going on, guys? That's a little bit of an overestimation on the on the weight, but height spot on. I, I mean, well, see, you would have been eight feet tall. You would have been the Kevin Garnett of wrestlers. You would have been eight feet, 325. The, the podcast also adds a good 50 or 60 pounds. That's what they say. You're like your podcast weight. Like I, I you know, I'm really at my podcast weight right now. Before I was oh. on a podcast, I probably weighed 40 pounds less. Did that coincide with COVID? Did COVID start right after the podcast? Yes, but I'm blaming it on the podcast and not on COVID. Yeah, it's podcast's fault. Yeah. Ben Wobbles, how are you? I'm pretty good, guys. How are you guys doing? You know, we're, we're hanging out, doing a great show. We had that guy from Australia stop by, which was weird. Did you hear him? It's weird because that same guy, I mean, I live in Florida and, uh, you know, I've come across my fair share of Australians. Right now, most of the state is just Australians and uh, Quebecois. So, yeah. It, it's a weird combination of people and a lot of accents that I don't understand, but uh, yeah, they're, they're all very nice people when it boils down to it. Yeah, he seemed delightful, as Sai said, but he was pretending he wasn't from Australia, which is a really interesting, I don't know why he would do that. I mean, there's probably something dark. That could, that could have been a Florida accent. You never know. That's true. Yeah. Like, who am I to say? I don't know. We've had a few guests from Florida on lately. Whereabouts in Florida are you uh, from? You don't have to give us the city, but like, are you from North, South, Central? No, you have to give us your address. Give us the city and the town and the name of your HOA uh, owner, president. I I actually live at the governor's mansion. Okay, Uh, perfect. I help Ron DeSantis uh, get his his (laughs) pay straight. Uh, I help button all of his top buttons to get around his neck. I mean... It, it's a living, but it pays well. Are you accusing me of not being able to button this top button on this shirt? Because I can do it. I'll show you. It, uh, this isn't shit. This is not a visual medium. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I did it. 
five. Did you did you have a creepy feeling uh, last week, Benoit Balls, when Chid was in your state? Did you, you? I know you didn't know he was there, but like, did you just have a weird feeling last week? The energy was off. Yeah. Uh, I try not to say vibes too much mm. because that's a very uh, I, I I can't do that Gen Z it's sort of speak. Called a but, vibe. Uh, it it just. <laughs> The energy, the aura was different. He yeah. said, Chid, don't kill my vibe. And I said, you ain't heard a chorus like this in a long time. Um, but the thing is, yes, I was in Florida briefly. I enjoyed my stay in Florida before beginning. You don't have job. to lie to me. Well, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to, to vacation dox you post you being on vacation. Yeah. I mean, this guy's doxing me. Also, I'm being tested for COVID twice weekly now, like a professional athlete for my new job. It's truly wild. It's, it's wild shit. Do you have to go? How often you have to go into the office? I'm going in at least once a week, but I went in twice last week because it's just like, uh, I mean, I'm I'm not a weird work pervert. So yes, you are. No, I'm not. I don't like work. You know that about me. I would gladly do as little as possible as long as I keep getting paid. But what I will tell you is that it is with two kids in the house. It is going into an office to just focus on stuff is refreshing. So I went in twice last week. I had to go pick up these COVID tests that I have to take uh, twice a week. So anyway, real treat. Well, I've never had a COVID test myself. Uh, Benoit Balls, have you ever been tested for COVID-19? Being as I work in the restaurant industry and I do live in the state of Florida, I've been tested for COVID uh, probably over two dozen times at this point. It's a real good way to like, if your sinuses are, if you're congested, it's like a great way to remove that congestion. It's a, it's been a way for me to realize how much I can sneeze in one sitting and also just how far my brain is up my skull. It's a piece of science. I've never actually been a hundred percent aware. I think of, that's an important thing to know. You need to know what your pant size is. You need to know, uh, you know, how tall you are so you can get on specific roller coasters. And you also mm-hmm. need to know how far up in your head that your brain is. It's I true. It's important. Like people talk about like, you know, like penis size and stuff, but people don't ever talk about like distance from nostril to brain. And I think honestly, like, you know, some people say it's not the size of the wave. It's the motion of the ocean. I say it's not the size of the nostril. It's the motion of you jamming a a Q-tip into your brain. I've heard that too. So Benoit, you're here to talk about the AEW specifically, professional wrestling, a thing that uh, was near and dear to my heart for a long time. When I was a lad, I, I loved professional wrestling from about the age of four until uh, I was probably 14, 15. And then I fell out of it for a very long time. And about a month ago, I watched AEW for the first time ever. Uh, I had heard good things about AEW and people like it. And, and honestly, like there have been phases where even WWF, WWE now, I guess it's called, had been calling, but I didn't answer the call because I was kind of just like, well, Vince McMahon sucks shit. And also like, I just didn't find it being a thing that I had time for at various times. But I know like during the Daniel O'Brien renaissance and the CM Punk thing, like people were like wild about it. And I was like, oh, maybe we should turn this on again. And so I would read news coverage about it, but I, I never watched it. But anyway, I was inspired to watch AEW a few weeks ago. And let me just say, I liked what I saw. It's uh, it's definitely a, a good switch up. It's one of the things where I wasn't expecting to really get into it the way that I did because I honestly didn't start. I watched wrestling as a kid, just like you were saying. Uh, I probably watched it from the time I was seven to like 12 or 13. Yeah. 
fell all the way out of it in high school because uh, uh, the girls that I thought would talk to me, I thought wouldn't like that. Uh, so neither of those things worked out, but that's besides the point. It's, and then wait, let's stop this for a second and let's come back to that. The girls okay. that you thought would like you wouldn't like wrestling is what you said, but that didn't work yes. out for you with the girls and the wrestling still stayed by the wayside. Is that true? It is true. I kind of had to leave it, leave it under the old bed in the childhood bedroom, so to speak. I guess. Yeah. So if you could go back in time and that you knew that the outcome was going to be the same, would you have just stuck to wrestling or would you have still tried to get laid? I, oh man, high school was such a long walk. I would probably say I'd honestly probably keep watching wrestling if I could. I think the thing is, and this is true advice, and assuming that this podcast is being consumed by my uh, kids and I'm dead, like assuming that that's the context where they're listening to this right now, which I hope isn't true, but assuming that is true. And they, like, let's assume my son is like 14 and he's in the beginning of Mm. high school and he's suddenly like, man, I should try to hook up with girls. What I'm going to tell him right now, and this is true advice, is don't worry about any of that shit. Just worry about that when you're in college. Like for four years, just do whatever the fuck you want and have a good time. Because I think that high school kids put too much pressure on themselves, especially people like you or I, who like, frankly, you know, I had a couple girlfriends in high school later in high school, but I was way too fucking worried about that. And the same thing, I think that's probably part of why I've been wrestling. It was like, this isn't cool. So I shouldn't do it anymore. I shouldn't care about it, which is the stupidest reason to stop. Like, I, I even like stopped watching some sports during that time because I was like, oh, people don't like sport. Like, you know, girls won't like me if I'm only interested in football or whatever. And it's like, man, I should have just been fucking watching the NFL and the NBA. Very stupid. <laughs> I, that is one thing that I definitely did probably, I say consume too much of is I was like addicted to sports center every single day. Mm -hmm. So I watched sports center at 6am before I caught the bus. I got home. I watched PTI around the horn and sports center right when I got home. So I don't know. I guess my social life just wasn't meant to be at that point, but it's fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I, I would have, I remember being younger and watching sports center with my friend, John at his house before we would catch the bus, like when we were in elementary school and maybe even in junior high. And then we started playing uh golden eye every morning. Like we would play literally like <laughs> two and a half rounds of golden eye, maybe three, if we were really pushing it. And then we'd have to like sprint out his front door to get the bus on time to get to high school. Um, or like, or when we were a little bit older, still fucking playing Goldeneye or senior, junior, senior in high school, still playing Goldeneye for, you know, 18 minutes and then uh, running to his car and speeding to school. So a real treat, I have to say. So it's part of a balanced breakfast is playing Goldeneye before school. It's true. I know that. It, like if you can't like shoot Trevanian or, uh, you know, odd job or Jaws, then what are you even doing? What are you accomplishing that day at school? You're, you're just not prepared. It's true. Uh, so this is a question that we ask everybody. And I think that you touched on something here that m- maybe is leading me to an answer before you even say an answer. But obviously, you know, if you've listened to this show and I'm going to presume you have, if you haven't, don't mm-hmm. tell me because I don't want to feel sad. But uh, assuming <laughs> you have listened to the show before and you know, we, we never ask people their age. That's rude and impolite. And I would never, ever do it. But I do ask people this. How old were you when 9-11 happened? Uh, I was 11. Yeah, that checks out. Okay. I was going to say, cause at the age that when PTI began, I was, I was already over, you know, <laughs> past that stage where I could consume it. Although I would have loved it if I would had been 11, 12 when it came out anyway, um, mm-hmm. that checks out. Well, 
But yeah, I mean, so you missed out on Goldeneye in high school. I'm going to say like you're probably into Halo or whatever by then had you been playing first person shooters. I was about to say I was playing Halo and I was pretty good at Counter-Strike, yeah. but uh, that's again part of my social uh, life down. I mean, here's the thing. You had to stop wrestling. You had to stop watching wrestling so you could play the very cool game Counter-Strike that girls liked. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. That's what high school guys who like us, we have to be industrious and we have to think ahead and we're like, what do high school girls love? Oh, they get turned on by guys who play Counter-Strike, but they don't like professional wrestling. That's what yeah. I know about yeah. girls. You know what you also missed out on is uh, LAN parties and bringing your desktop computer to people's houses so you could play like Q3 Arena and like, you know, Unreal Tournament. You really missed out on on the golden age of not having uh, Wi-Fi or laptops that you could game on. Oh, man, I'll I'll say this. I'm pretty sure I had dial up in my house up until like, shoot, probably my sophomore year of high school. Oh, nice. Still two years away from me actually having a cell phone too, so that's a whole other can of worms. That's very nice. Well, that that checks out, and uh, and yeah, you. I I never got to. I was never a PC gamer. So I I think we've talked about this before. I just yeah. never. I was always a console guy, but I do remember playing not Halo Two, com, just Halo Combat Evolved at a certain person's house who I do not care for and did not care for at the time, <laughs> and. Uh, but like having 16 dudes there to play halo combat evolved in his house with four xboxes connected with 800 feet of ethernet cable and yeah it's the equivalent of a land party it's just a little easier to carry an xbox so great what a what a great what a great era for losers loved it like me um if you could go back in time what would you change about going to that that particular person's house for an xbox party I mean, what would I change about it if I go back in time? I think yep. that I, uh, I mean, the funny answer is to be like, oh, I would have shit in his bed or I would have. No, hit I'm on looking for, I'm looking for a shit answer. I'm not looking for a funny answer. Yeah. The funny answer is I would have, I would have made his grandmother fall in love with me and then uh, <laughs> stolen his inheritance away from him because his grandmother would have been in love with me. And I should have been focusing on that instead of trying yeah. to seduce senior girls in high school when I was a senior in high school. I should yes. have been focused on, very specifically, that guy <laughs> who we'll just call uh, Miljup. Uh, I should have been focused on stealing Miljup's grandmother away so I could get his inheritance. Yeah. I- she, she was a very wealthy woman. I don't know mm-hmm. if she's still alive. RIP possible. RIP. Who knows? But here's yeah, what I do. Poor Mil- Miljup's grandmother. Poor Miljup's grandmother. She had to deal with that piece <laughs> of shit as her one grandkid. Anyway, here's what I do know is uh, I, I think probably the advice sincerely that I would give myself back then, if I could give myself advice about that sort of thing is don't spend any time with people you don't like. <laughs> it doesn't matter if your friends like them. Just don't do it. It does not make you happy. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say this podcast is over. This is it. <laughs> We've reached our conclusion. I've been waiting. It's such an honor to be the last guest. <laughs> yeah, finally. Uh, it's been over, you know, over two years, and we finally got Benoit balls here, and, and we just <laughs> figured, like, let's pull the plug on this bad boy while the getting's good. So let's talk about AEW. So were you, like, did you, I know they had a couple pay-per-views before they launched their weekly uh, Wednesday night show. W- were you, like, in from the uh, initial pay-per-views? 
I watched the first stadium show that Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks put on at Madison Square Garden, which was like kind of the birth of AEW, but not. And it was like the biggest deal because Cody had left WWE, I think it was like 12 or 16 months beforehand. And everybody literally told him, there is mm-hmm. absolutely no way you're pulling this off at the world's most famous arena. And they sold out the show. They had tons of people from all different promotions and everything come in. Uh, it was when like even Ray Mysterio Jr. was in between contracts and whatnot. And he showed up for the main event and it was, it was good. It was way better than I anticipated. And I think that's that pay-per-view and then, just kind of the build up to AEW is what actually got me back into wrestling in the first place was, Oh, this seems like a feasible alternative to, yeah. you know, the evil empire with Vince McMahon and all the terrible shit that he does. Uh, and yeah, it just seemed like there was a light at the end of the tunnel for people who were just tired of the same retread storylines that WWE turns out. And for context settings too, I would say, well, I think probably most people who are listening to this are aware of what AEW is and maybe have some history with what WWE is, but I will just say, so WWE, in case you have been living under a rock or have no idea, they've existed in some format for like 70 years, something like that, 65 years. Uh, and they were started by Vince McMahon's father, Vince McMahon senior, and then Vince took over uh, and then, you know, popularized Hulk Hogan, blah, blah, blah. The big knock on them is they haven't really had any competition since WCW folded, which was in what, 2000, 99, something like that, 2001. No, it was, it was later than that. I think it was like 2001. Okay. In, in that era. I was about, I was actually about to say like, uh, just really quickly, uh, AEW is the, the closest thing uh, that I've seen to WCW. And I was a big WCW fan. I watched it until it folded. Um, so like for me, uh, seeing AEW, it reminded me a lot of that. That's yeah, that makes sense. And so, yeah, so the AEW, like there was TNA for a while, which was like a TNT, uh, house kind of show thing that they did, I think all out of Orlando. And I think all of that was pre-taped, like extensively pre-taped. Like, I think they did like a month's episodes in one night, that sort of thing, or maybe even more than that. Um, and that had a couple of outcasts from WWE in it, but that didn't seem to really catch any, I don't, well, I'm, I might be speaking out of turn, but my understanding of it at the time is that wasn't really like a real competitor or a viable competitor to WWE at the time. And that was post WCW. They did have some big, big names in there though. Uh, Sting was in TNA for, for quite some time. And he was like, basically after, after WCW folded, he didn't go to WWF. That was like yeah. the big thing for him. And he, he did TNA and he was like their big I think name. Him and, I think Kurt Angle was there too, if I'm not mistaken. Kurt Angle probably had like his best, like legit in-ring run in TNA, not even WWE. Yeah. And he was amazing in his initial like seven, eight year run with WWE. But when he went to TNA, it was he was pilled out of his mind, but he was working like nobody's business. Yeah. And like yeah. like Cy was saying, I mean, Sting went to TNA, Hulk Hogan ended up over there, Ric Flair was there for a little bit, Macho Man, like there were a lot of people who just kind of got lost in the shuffle of going to WWE that either Vince McMahon just held grudges against or whatever ended up happening, and they just went to TNA and they had a decent run and they had a good mix of like some of the guys who ended up going to Japan and then WWE after that. But it's never really, obviously it didn't sustain itself as TNA for a while. Cause it's all impact now. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, it impact at this point is, 
kind of in cahoots with AEW and it's been a fun run in that sense too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I would say that the, um, what I began to notice a little bit more in my following of wrestling, but not really watching it in the early 2010s, I guess, is that the indie, there are a lot of like indie promotions that people were taking seriously, which didn't, was not, didn't seem to be the case other than people on the internet in the nineties and two thousands. So like, I know there was a lot of ring of honor stuff and there was uh whatever PWC or whatever it's called in, in California. And there were other, um, other promotions like that, that people seem to care about, but yeah, it seems like AEW kind of, if I'm based on what I saw and I'm only basing this on one night, which I had the opportunity to watch their like one big Friday night show. It, it very much appeared to me that uh, they seem to have like the spirit of an indie, but, um, and, and they're trying to not do the, the very um, again, all just from this one show, but I got the sense that there is more focus on the wrestling and less on the bullshit. And that is interesting uh, to some degree. I, I didn't, there wasn't a ton of bullshit on that show. And the other thing that struck me about AEW is, uh, I don't know if this is just because character names and things all live with WWE and they own those things for in perpetuity or whatever. Yeah. But there's lots of wrestlers <laughs> in AEW whose names are just like Jim Johnson or, and like shit like that. And I'm like, can, can you guys come up with any sort of name for Jim Johnson? Can he be, can he be Jim the the Nightstick Johnson or something? Jim the Johnson yeah, Johnson. Jim, Jim Big uh, Johnson tell, Johnson. I don't know something. Tell the audience, tell the rounding down audience what your favorite AEW wrestler name is. Chip. Uh, what is it? Is it? I don't. I don't know. Is it the Butcher? I thought your favorite AEW wrestler was Jungle Boy. Oh, Jungle Boy. Yeah, he's great. He's got a good name, Jungle Boy. He was. He was also. He really popped. Like I, in watching him one night, yeah. I was like, "This guy's a star." Like he seems like he's going to be a star. He he seems very talented. He seems like he gets the crowd going. Uh, coming out to that song, the that song that everyone knows, the oh, 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 oh which I think is called yeah, it's a good one, Tarzan Boy or something. Is the name of the song? Wait, how does it go again? Oh, 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 that's how it goes. Uh, good, but he—that's a good song for him to come out to. It sounded great, uh, and yeah, and he seems like he's a star. I don't know. I mean, I think that uh, there were a few people like I that night had the Kenny Omega Brian Danielson fight wrestling match match. It's probably not a fight when it's so you saw that first. So that Kenny Omega, Brian Danielson match was your first exposure to AEW. Yeah. That's nuts. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it was good. It was like, it was, you know, it's good. It's not, it was uh, very much, uh, you know, it was a bit more old school. The thing that's interesting to me, it not doing, uh, it missing such a long stretch of wrestling is the speed of wrestling is accelerated greatly from when I was a kid. There's a lot of slow grappling and a lot of like kind of, you know, guys laying around breathing heavily. And that's not, that doesn't seem to be part of the form factor anymore, which I guess is good. Um, but yeah, like in a, in a wrestling match when I, even when I was like 13, I'd be like, Oh, cool. This is a match between two guys who are, uh, you know, like stone cold and triple H or whatever. It's like, well, this might be a 19 minute match, but seven minutes, rest assured is going to be both of them on their backs breathing heavily. <laughs> it's uh, it's definitely a different speed and it's cool because AEW is not afraid to mix like I guess weight classes for lack of a yeah. better term in terms of what they do as opposed to WWE which always tries to match up kind of like people in that sense 
And AEW is just like, all right, we're going to bust out everything that we can. It's going to be all these mixes of like Lucha style. And then you got your big hoss ass dudes who are more athletic than anybody else that I've ever seen. And WWE still has that sort of thing. But AEW is just not afraid to mix it up, which is, I think, part of the best thing about it, which also still kind of sets it apart from WCW, because that's what like Bischoff and Vince Russo love to do is just keep it very like and they'd have their cruiserweight guys yeah. go for 10 minutes to start a show. And now AEW is just like, screw it. We're going to put on a show to make the fans happy. That's all we care about. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't like watching the excellence of execution, Dean Malenko and WCW in those cruiserweight matches. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Him and Eddie and Rey Mysterio and Alex Wright and all those dudes who could just absolutely go night in, night out was great. Yeah. And now yeah. Dean Malenko's basically helping build AEW and their women's division and everything. So there's nothing wrong with that yeah Yeah, i agree and so to kind of return to chid's point with the the indie feel of aew uh a point i wanted to make was i i think they're they're really hedging their bets on disenfranchised superstars coming and i I mean cm punk was a was a big deal and that was obviously a huge get he was one of the most popular wrestlers in in wwe but like also, you know, there were rumors that Daniel Bryan was supposed to come. I, I don't know if those came to fruition yeah, or what happened with that. I, he's there now. Brian yeah, Danielson. so it's I been, it's been a Brian Danielson is that's his, his name. name. Now. That's his legal name. That's that's yeah, what I'm saying. Like it's it's so uninspired and dumb in the yeah. like I, I get that everyone knows who he really is. So I, and I know that like there's a, you know, a kayfabe kind of the mask is lifted in the sense that like everyone's like, well, I know this dude's real name because I follow him on Twitter and he tweets about whatever the fuck. Like, I get it. I completely get it. But I still think that like wrestlers need to have cool names. I just think like you, you can't just be Brian Danielson. Like you should be, you know, like you come up with a cool name. So it's been a, it's been a couple months since I was able to watch. Like, does WWE have the yes thing like trademark? So does the crowd have to say something different or do they still chant? Yes, they do a synonym song singer version where they say, that's right. 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 They should do that anyway. Perfect. Yeah, but l- like I said, uh, you know, they're they're kind of relying on disenfranchised people coming there. I mean, Sting Sting being there, like that was a, a big get for me. He's my favorite wrestler of all time. Uh, so he's he's still fun to watch, even though he's getting up there in the, the years. But um, you know, the the fact that CM Punk came and and you know Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson or whatever you want to call him uh, is there now too. And and I I think that more people will start to come as well because you you always read about you know, bigger stars in WWE, like getting suspended or like, you know, there, there is a contract disagreement or something like that. Or so, you know, there is room for, you know, those people to kind of jump ship and and go somewhere else. And it's, it's a network show now. So they're, they're able to kind of, and what I'm really hoping for is like the return of like the network wars where they're, you know what I mean? Where they're, they were able to compete with one another. Cause for, for a while, WCW really was giving the WWE a run for its money. And like, to me, that, that was the most interesting time in wrestling because, you know, you were kind of wondering who was going to outdo the other one, you know, and then so you had like and then you had the crossover stuff where like DX came to WCW and they were like, you know, beating everyone up. And I don't know that 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 always kind of interested me that, the, you know, just having those two uh, go back and forth. Yeah. Hey, what are your thoughts on that? What do you think about that, Benoit? It's it's definitely alive right now, because one of the things I absolutely I say 
it's one of the things I hate about wrestling right now is that the IWC, the internet wrestling community, uh, puts so much stock into the ratings every week. And I understand that it's necessary because these guys are taking up valuable network time because WWE is on Fox right now, SmackDown every Friday and TNT and TBS for AEW. And it's become this thing where every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, and then going into Saturdays, all these wrestling reporters are talking about, well, here's what AEW did in the demo and they did half a million... it's all this stuff that's becoming people are just building these wars in terms of fighting with each other as fans because, oh, well, AEW did this in the demo, but WWE is still doing that. And I prefer this as the authentic kind of soap opera sort of thing. Yeah. And it it's becoming very annoying in that sense of like, they're putting so much stock in these ratings and it's adding to that network wars. And literally just in the last month, Tony Khan has the you know guy who's been running AEW, Shag Khan's son, has been sending shots across the bow of Vince McMahon and literally scheduled a pre-show on YouTube during the last hour of SmackDown two weeks ago, three weeks ago now. And uh, we're just, everybody lost their minds because he's like, oh, he's really gunning for those ratings now to draw into their regular Friday night show. Yeah that comes on after SmackDown does. And it just turned into this whole big thing where AEW knows what they're doing. And like Cy was saying, they're bringing in these people, these disenfranchised WWE people who either weren't being used correctly and their booking was terrible and fans didn't respond to them because they weren't allowed to do what they wanted to do. And they're legitimate, huge stars in AEW already. And it's, I think in the next, probably by this time next year, we'll really see what AEW is made of in terms of what Tony Khan really wants this company to be. And then we'll see just how batshit crazy Vince McMahon goes because of it. Yeah. I, I do wonder. So the thing about Tony Khan is obviously he said he shot Khan's son. So he's their pocket the owner are, of the Jaguars. Yes. Is that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and, uh, and a like businessman in his own right and a very wealthy person. So, um, but their pockets are enormously deep, which was not true of WCW ultimately. I mean, that's why they went, right. went under um, the only thing, the the thing it reminds me sort of of is uh did you watch glow the drama the tv show about the gorgeous ladies of wrestling so like the real story of that is you know the, it was a dramatized version i thought that show was a very good drama i thought it was pretty well written for the most part but um but that show it takes off on how glow actually operated which was it was like a, a rich guy's passion who had some money obviously not as much money as the con family and he started this uh this affiliation and then eventually his money just dried up or he decided like I, I you know i'm gonna cut ties with this at a certain point that's my only fear for AEW. i don't think that's going to happen and by all accounts everything you hear about wrestlers who are there like joey janela has said this and i've heard other people say it as well that like they really take care of uh, their rest. Like they're it, like, there's great food. There's like good, you know, there's good catering there. People are, you know, their uh, healthcare and stuff is paid for if they're injured or whatever it gets paid for by the company. It's like kind of, they're trying to shift that paradigm to some degree by throwing money at some of the 
common complaints that people have. And uh, yeah, and so I, I don't know, I, I hope they succeed and continue to be a viable option. My other concern for AEW is, and this is just thinking about it from a business perspective, is like one of the reasons why WWE, like, so to size point about contract disputes and everything, basically like twice a year, WWE, WWE just cuts like 12 people, 12 to 18 wrestlers. Mm-hmm. And yep. that's because WWE is like their roster is fucking enormous. Like their their roster was big in the 90s when I was watching it, like in the 80s and 90s when I was a kid. But it was like it was big in so much as like there were, you know, 40 to 60 to 80 active guys and, and a couple of women. There were, wasn't really women's wrestling at the time, so I don't need to pretend there was um in wwe but uh but there was like a limited roster at the time of like 80 people at any given night who might be rostered or whatever now it's like several hundred people and it's across multiple stables and it's like i was gonna say it's to the it's to the point where they have like a farm system for the wwe that were and they're running shows with that too which is insane to me well they've been yeah they've been doing that for quite some time the nxt thing which is which is cool and then as talent development goes it makes sense it's a great idea all of that I understand, but the the flip side of that is that when you only have X hours of programming a week, like twelve hours of programming or sixteen hours of pro- whatever the fuck they do a week, you're you can't have you know you can't have six hundred people wrestle in sixteen hours. It doesn't work that way, and so that's why people kind of constantly get lost in the shuffle. They get there, but then either they don't pop or they don't get the push they should get, or they, uh, they don't get a push that you know they WWE feels like they don't deserve a push. Whatever the bullshit is. You know, and then it's just back to the indies or whatever. So it is nice that AEW is a viable option. My concern to get back to that, because I don't think I've stated this clearly yet, is that by continually picking up these loose ends and these these other wrestlers and everything, my concern is that AEW also balloons their roster to like 250 people. And then they have the same fucking problem with fewer hours to fill a week. Um, So I think that that's where they haven't, I don't think they've hit that quota yet, or I haven't gotten the sense that that's true. But they're going to brush up against that at a certain point, and and that's when tough decisions need to be made, and when um, it gets harder, I think, to just run it as a week to week operation. If I had to guess, Chid, do you think if they practiced for sixteen hours a day, um, you know, they just spent sixteen out of the whole twenty four hours in a day, mm-hmm. do you think that they could pull off the this you know sixteen hundred wrestlers wrestling uh, in twelve hours? Like if they all practice, all they need to do is if they practice. All practice yeah. Well, I mean. Are this, you're coming back to the point where, which is true, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. <laughs> had I practiced baseball for 16 hours a day, I would have been a better professional baseball player than Joe DiMaggio. Yes, I believe <laughs> that's true. You keep trying to pin me down on that like it's a crazy thing to say. 16 hours a day is a lot. I'm Italian-American. I could have been better than Joey Bases, as I call him. <laughs> I, I could have been better. I also could have been a better lover to Marilyn Monroe than he was, obviously. Like, truly. Had I been Joey Bags instead of Joey Bags himself, Marilyn Monroe never would have been leaving me for a friggin' playwright, Arthur Miller. If you if you practiced sex sixteen hours a day, you could have been a better lover than than Joe DiMaggio. Listen, who's the greatest living romancer alive? Who's male? One, two, three. Name him. Pete Davidson. Okay. Sigh. <laughs> ahead. Benoit Balls. Ooh, good guess. I like it. But you're both absolutely wrong, especially Sai. Come on, let's be honest. It's Sting. <laughs> it's Sting. He's the greatest lover. The wrestler, yes. AEW's 
champion sting. sting from the band the police the ironically named band the police probably not that ironic there's no there's no way that sting fucks better than Stuart copeland he's the only person who will go on the record and say that he practices he sex for 16 hours a day ergo he is the greatest lover who's ever lived there's no way that sting fucks better than Stuart copeland have you heard that dude drum he's really good at drums he keeps a really good time Stuart copeland's wife doesn't talk about all of the tantric breathing sex he does she doesn't need to talk about it. you know what they say loose lips clearly sting's wife is compensating for something complete that sentence i they say loose lips do flips yeah, that's how the saying goes. You got yeah, it. I, yeah. I knew you knew the second half of that. Thank you. Thank you. I, I teed it up for you. Uh, Stuart yeah, Copeland, he's, huh? He's, you know, really good at keeping time. Better than better than Lars Ulrich. Sounds like a AEW wrestler, honestly. <laughs> Stuart Copeland, here he is, wrestling out of this corner. He's 185 pounds from Bayonne, New Jersey. It's Stuart Copeland. He's going to face off with Jungle Boy. That's the thing. Like, I don't know if Stuart Copeland's wrestling Jungle Boy. It's like Jungle Boy's going to destroy him. Jungle Boy's got a cool name and a gimmick. Stuart Copeland's gimmick is that he doesn't need a metronome. (laughs) (laughs) Stuart Copeland's gimmick, according to size, that he can fuck all night. Like Ice Cube. He probably can. Have you ever asked him if he could? I don't know. I mean, I'd love to get Stuart Copeland on the show. Is he from Down Under, by the way? I don't think he is. (laughs) Okay. I'm just wondering. You think he goes Down Under? Probably. Okay. I mean, you said he's a great lover. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't. I've never seen him go down under, but I imagine that he does. Is that the, he's not, he's not DJ Khaled. You know, (laughs) I saw DJ Khaled live once. (laughs) DJ Khaled famously does not. He refuses to go down on, on his wife. That's insane that that's a thing that he wants to be known for. I mean, I want to be known for being a better baseball player than Joey bags and I, Joey bags, Joey bases, Joey bones. I want to be better than all three aspects of Joe DiMaggio. But here's the thing is that's an insane thing to be known for. I, I saw DJ Khaled open for Beyonce in 2016. Wow. And uh, he did like uh, it was a Beyonce arena tour on the uh, lemonade tour. And uh, the show is great. She's great. But DJ Khaled came out and did like, I'm not even joking. He was the opener and he did like 11 and a half minutes <laughs> where he just played about uh parts of 19 songs that i guess are his songs or that he produced which is an insane thing for him to do with no one actually singing behind him he just like played them and he just did hype man shit he was just like slowly walking around the stage in a sweatsuit being like get your hands up get your hands up yeah you know this one dj khaled stay positive dj khaled just like it, it was insane i was like i can't believe this guy is getting paid and then you bought a dj khaled shirt i've seen you wear it own all of his yeah. records obviously uh, it would have been funnier if he, he didn't do anything at all and just in between songs he kept going and another one <laughs> he, he did he probably did do that he like he took an instagram f- like video while he was on stage it like he, it was just like it was like watching like a person who's just uh like if like fiddling with his phone basically for 11 minutes <laughs> it was it was truly wild uh, ben Wamballs, I have an important question for you. Speaking of of live music here, yeah, what's that? um, I I always like to ask wrestling fans this, and you can choose uh, anything you want. But what would what would be your intro music for for coming out if you're a wrestler, like a professional wrestler? And, and it can be like any song, like I yeah yeah. There's no cop. You don't have to worry about copyright. You don't have to worry about licensing, according to Sai. Yeah, you're in, you're Tony, in, you're Tony in Chambers. 
you're in Chid's chambers. You're allowed to come out to whatever music you want. Yeah. You don't have to come out to music. It could just be like a sound if you want. Uh, no, I think I've got a song in mind and it's just something that it, it really, it, it gets me hyped more than it absolutely should. I would probably do the magic school bus theme song. Okay. I don't know how that goes. Could you tell me how it goes? I honestly can't remember outside of just the, the drop itself. And it's just, there's a drop in it. So it's like a EDM song. Essentially. Yeah. Well, it would probably be like the Tiesto remix of the magic school theme song. Yep. So, you know, you know, just something that, you know, starts to build on the magic school bus, take a ride. And then I don't remember the rest of it. Seatbelts, everyone. Please let this be a normal field trip with a friend. No way. Cruising on that main street. You're relaxed and feeling good. Next thing that you know, you see it. What's in my neighborhood? Surfing on the sine wave, swinging through the stars. Yeah. Take a left at Joe Manchester. Take your second right back more from the Magic School Bus. Navigator, not true. Climb on the Magic School Bus. Make a plane turn two. And I'm Magic School Bus. Rock the river of love. I'm Magic School Bus. Such a fine thing. Well, I didn't know Bob Dylan sung that song. Uh, I mean, it's. It, he, it's a little known fact that he actually wrote the magic school bus theme song uh it's you know one of his greatest hits it's just like him being a ghost rider just like drake's ghost rider and all that sort mm. of thing it, it's it, very little people know about that but i think my gimmick would be i'd like dress like miss frizzle's gecko Okay. And, yeah, it would be like I'd probably feud with like Luchasaurus or something like that, and we'd go reptile versus reptile sort of thing. And uh, yeah, that would the Tiesto remix of the uh, Magic School Bus theme song would definitely be my intro music. I was nice. trying to find the Magic School Bus lyrics theme song lyrics. I could not find them on the internet. Very weird okay. black hole. But what I will tell you is Luchasaurus, good gimmick because he has a gimmick. Mm-hmm. Like it's interesting that Lucha is in the beginning of his name at a certain point it's just going to become Soros like MC Hammer dropped the MC because <laughs> who wants to be known as their profession obviously mm-hmm. like I get it like people don't call me P-caster Chid they don't call me Pisscaster Chid either but if uh, they did eventually I would have to break free of that that's what we call you at my house you, they, you guys call me Pisscaster Chid we call you Pisscaster you and your my wife yes what about your cats what do they call me uh, they don't talk because they're cats yeah. They call me Big Daddy when they back that up. Anyway, my cats um, do. What what song no would comment. you come out to, Chid? Not I, now that you're talking about fucking my cats. <laughs> you're gonna get uh, acquainted with me. Um, it's, <laughs> what, what I'm gonna tell you is <laughs> this is a bit I don't want to continue. I'm gonna fuck your cats. Please don't fuck my cats. Know. There's lots of good bits here. I don't know. I balls. Please tell them not I'm to sorry. fuck my cats. I don't, I don't, I'm not into animals and I'm not horny online, but I, I have to fuck your cats Please now. Don't. You're allergic to a cat fucker. I'm very allergic to cats. I have no interest in them at all. I mean, anyway, like sexually, uh, emotionally, otherwise, but your cats, I'm going to have sex with them. I'm sorry, but that's been established as part of the canon of this show. <laughs> um, yeah, what okay. song would you come so, out to, please? <laughs> what's <laughs> Uh, I would come out to the Wishbone theme song. <laughs> What's the story, Wishbone? 
That'd be wishbone. Oh, well, I mean, that'd be a good, like, uh, like a gimmick? submission hold. No, no, I'd be wishbone. That'd be my gimmick. I'd yeah. just be wishbone. You'd, you'd be the dog. I would. Be no, that I'd, I'd, that'd be my name. I'd be wishbone. Like, the, wishbone's a better name than Brian Danielson. Or <laughs> what about Jim? Daniel Bryan? Yeah, Daniel Bryan is also not great. It's two first names. What are we doing here? <laughs> what about uh, what was his name? Millups. it's better than millop i was going for the same thing but you got there first good job what about millop's grandmother i gotta i gotta seduce her and then i gotta fuck your cat she could be your stable she could she could be your uh your your escort lady that's the it started escort service for all the right reasons (laughs) that's what kid rock said he did say that what I'm going to tell you is, had I seduced Millip's grandmother <laughs> and gotten her inheritance of millions and millions of dollars, I could be in Ursat's Tony Khan right now, obviously. I fucked up. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, younger chid. I'm sorry I fucked up. Okay? I fucked up. It was bad. Mm. Sucks. Does Stuart suck. Copeland fucks better than me now. He sure does. Fucked motherfucker your cats are gonna be sad <laughs> about how bad i fuck because i'm not Stuart copeland oh so wishbone that's your final answer yeah what's the story wishbone nice. that that song yeah what about what about you uh well since we're we're sticking to a theme here maybe the uh where in the world is carmen san diego theme song well, she sneaks around the world from Vienna to Carolina. She's a sticky fingered filcher from Berlin down to Belize. She'll take you for a ride on a slow boat to China. Tell me where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Would your name be Carmen San Diego? No. I think your gimmick would you'd have to be Carmen San Francisco just to mix it up. Yeah, yeah. Probably you Carmen San Diego is probably like car copyrighted. You couldn't wear a red jacket. I would always I would always go under the ring and pull out a magnifying glass and hit everyone with it. (laughs) Or like, you know, we'd be outside, we'd be doing like a, you know, a uh one of those extreme matches, and I'd pull out the magnifying glass and let the sun shine through it and you'd burn someone to death. My opponents would catch on fire. You you know what, Cy? That's a great point. I don't know if like in backyard wrestling anyone had progressed to mildly burning one of their (laughs) semi-unconscious opponents with a magnifying glass in an extreme rules match. I feel like that's a great bit. And honestly, it I think we need to like get Franklin and Howard on the show to ask them that. Yeah. We let's should. put a pin in that and, get, and let's get a real answer to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Benoit Balls, who's your favorite wrestler in AEW these days? Oh, man. It's, I, I'd say it's a toss up between Jungle Boy and Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy, it's, it's Orange Cassidy. He's probably out. I didn't get to see him wrestle. I saw like him standing somewhere looking mean. <laughs> he looks like a mean guy. He he does stand in a lot of places. That's his he stands thing. around and he yeah. looks mean. As far as I'm concerned, Orange Cassidy stands and looks mean. Which like, what would you call what he does, Benoit Balls? Is it like rope a dope? Like he he's like always very like casual to show you he can like take a punch. Like he's he. I, I think the way that they've tried to brand him is he's like a carefree sloth, uh, and he basically moves however whichever speed he likes to move. And that's that's basically just Orange Cassidy. I, I I found it to be very interesting 
What is so? What is this dude's deal? Did he come from WWE or is he an indie oh, guy? He was an indie guy who built up a huge following online. If you go back and watch his matches, they're ninety percent of them are like gimmicked, like comedy matches where he does these kick buildups that don't do anything. He's very half-assed. He rolls into the ring very slowly. He does kip ups with his hands in his pockets. Like he, he's very athletic, but he's just very nonchalant about everything. And this is great. I love this. It's, 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 he's gotten to the point where like little kids come to his shows dressed as orange Cassidy with the sunglasses, jean jacket, jeans, keep their hands in their pockets. And he always wears a t-shirt with his own face on it, which it's, it's my favorite thing in the world because he's literally the number one outside of Adam page right now. He's been the number one contender, number two guy in the standings with AEW for probably the last six or eight months. Okay. He's Who's very Adam fun page? to watch. What, what is Adam page, a WWE guy? Who's that? He is also came up through the Indies, worked in Japan for a while. He was part of bullet club with Kenny Omega and, young bucks and cody and all the other guys who are over in japan still but he's probably the biggest draw in aew right now and he is about to have a title match with kenny omega in two weeks two weeks that's that's good i and i like kenny omega don't get don't get me wrong here but i prefer kenny alpha because i'm an alpha bro i got that alpha mindset where i like manny beta (laughs) <laughs> yeah that checks out <laughs> um, but yeah and who's this uh darby allen what the fuck is that guy what, what's that guy's whole deal so darby allen is a very emo sort of love him skateboarding punk skinny jeans doesn't have any care for himself sort of dude his finishing move is the coffin drop he just he skateboards everywhere. <laughs> it it sounds like a very like a 12-year-old kid who absolutely loves like only slipknot and still watches like Viva La Bam religiously would have created this dude on it seems to me like um it well, it was very interesting to me when they paired him up with Sting and Sting, like because like Sting was like the you know, obviously in the eighties and the early nineties, he was like a beach surfer guy. And then yep. he completely like, you know, he came back and he was like a goth and that he became the, the, the crow. crow. Yeah, exactly. And by the way, I just want to say like, it was only like 22, 23 years ago today when a young man and his girlfriend on devil's night, the scariest night in New Jersey mm-hmm. were attacked brutally, assaulted, and he was murdered. And then he returned as the crow. They were in Detroit. Sting. What I don't fucking care or know. Don't, don't you read the comic? Sucks. Come on. That movie eats shit. I've only seen the movie. It's not a good movie. If Brandon Lee didn't die on it, no one would have ever talk about it. That's my opinion about that. Very I liked The Crow. Movie. I watched it a lot uh, when I was in, yeah, when I was younger. I mean, long. whatever. My cats are about to get fucked. Okay, continue. That's a that's a terrible bit. Um, <laughs> what I was gonna say uh, was that. It was interesting that they paired him with him because Sting, when he came back and he was, you know, the crow Sting or whatever, like that was like the the '90s goth thing. Yep. And then they they kind of paired him with like an emo person, and I I thought it was kind of interesting because like basically it's the same 
concept. Uh, and they already had the running, like the standing thing with Darby Allen. And when Sting came in and he decided that he was still going to be Sting and like, you know, they had him, they, the lights went out and he appeared in the, you know, the rafters or whatever. And then Darby Allen was also in the rafters. And instead of a bat, he has a skateboard. It's, it's like the, the parallels are unbelievable, but I'm just surprised that they ran with it. I'm surprised they didn't have them like, you know, battle with one another as opposed to like pairing up i thought that was interesting one of my favorite moments in AEW up to this point is in the build-up to darby allen against miro who was rusev in wwe miro is like a promo god in this company he's so so good on the mic doing his vignettes and all that sort of thing and in the build-up before their tnt championship match uh, Miro was going off on this diatribe and said stuff about Darby Allen. And then instead of referring to Sting as Sting, he called him emo face paint daddy. <laughs> wow. And it's been my favorite thing about AEW. I think this. I just found my new avid, you know, my new display name for Twitter. It's here's the so thing amazing. is, I, I mean, I appreciate that he's, uh, Rusev is now Miro, but uh, what I will say is the only Miro to me is, uh, Johan Miro, obviously like I, we're talking about visual artists, the great visual artists of all Dave time. Dave Miro, the I mean, BMX rider. I thought you were going to say yeah, Mark yeah. and keep it under the theme. Mark, Mark Marrow. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not talking about that guy. <laughs> that guy can eat shit. That guy wishes he had half the charisma of jungle boy. He was basically <laughs> like a, like a, not quite jungle boy, jungle boy. Like he did that flip from the corner and everything. Um, anyway, here, yeah. I, my only other thing about AW is, is there any, because they do, they've collected a, how can I put this? I think one of the knocks on WCW in the nineties, late nineties, uh, into when they folded was that they had collected a roster of elderly men, which is hysterical because these were people who were like in their forties and fifties at the time, but seemed like elderly men compared to professional wrestlers in WWF at the time. Um, and my fear is that AEW is falling into that same trap to some degree. Like I know Jericho looks like dog shit. I've seen gifts on Twitter of him wrestling very poorly, right. uh, and and still uh, still and, a good know. promo guy though I, I think that's yeah sure but like come on get the fuck out of here like there's it's it's a young man's game and a young woman's game uh like it's it's not you're not supposed to be doing all that sort of shit when you're approaching 55 years old but um so i don't know is there like is sting wrestling there or is he just hanging out and doing promos and shit? he's done a couple matches that were i say the safest matches that he could yeah. be working yeah. for a man his age the bumps that he's actually taken since he's come back some of them at least have been insane for a dude who's i think he's like 61 or 62 however old yeah. he is and it's been fun but outside of that they're not really I don't know. They're kind of like what you were saying, Chad. They're not collecting old men at this point. Like Holly Blanchard's yeah. around, but he's managing FTR. Jake the Snake was out there managing Lance Archer, and he took a couple bumps, but nothing like crazy. Yeah, it, yeah. I, so like they're they're managing the the older roster, and that's more for cachet, maybe, and getting people to do things that they're comfortable doing, and not mm -hmm. uh, putting them out there to be like they're superstars every week or whatever. Yeah, they're not like yeah. WWE trying to trot out Goldberg every few months to <laughs> take a title off of somebody that they shouldn't be. 
I don't, I am again, not following WWE and it's, I saw someone mention him on Twitter and I assume they were talking about him in the past, but what I know about Goldberg is he was like, he had a reputation for being shitty to work with in the nineties. And I can't imagine that that's improved since he's now older and worse at everything. They WWE just ran a gimmick with him and Bobby Lashley where Goldberg like tore ligaments in his knee. And then like a month later, he was fine. And then they wrestled in Saudi Arabia and Goldberg actually beat Lashley. And it was just just like every other Goldberg program that they put out there. It was poorly booked. It just it looked terrible because Goldberg can't move anymore. Not that he was really that great at it before. But yeah, outside of potentially ending his own career, he's been responsible for shortening others. That's for damn sure. Do do either of you remember Gilberg? Hell yeah. Yeah. Love <laughs> Gilberg. That was that's still like funny to me. That was the thing. I just the like there to your point, I don't know that the wars were I think people always want things to be cyclical. And I think that there's a large contingent of people to Benoit Balls's point who want AW to be a like a real big competitor to WWE and blah blah blah. And I get that. And there's a real it's not hard to read into the politics of it all and blah blah blah. and so i i understand all of that but the thing that was really good about the wrestling wars of the 90s was that i think they helped elevate both stables and helped both of them do uh or both programs like they it helped both of them do take more risks and do more interesting things and try to keep it fresh and there were always surprises like i'll never forget the night that like mick foley won the championship on monday night raw it was fucking insane i, I like i could not believe it uh it was just not a thing like even I, I must have been 12 or 13 at the time and i was like yeah titles don't like the world championship belt doesn't change hands on a monday night show um so like there, it, there were really cool things they're really cool uh outcomes related to that and i hope some of that comes back but it does sound like Benoit Balls, you're saying that AEW is loaded, uh, chock full of young talent from all over the place. They've sourced people from the indies and offshoots from WWE, and they have enough star power and enough talent, it seems like now, where they're really uh, putting out a really good product. They, The big thing that they've done, what's made AEW even more impressive to me, is the, the term that keeps getting thrown around is they've opened the forbidden door. So the thing about WWE and Vince McMahon and part of why him and his dad were, you know, more of kind of carnies in some way is they would go town in town and they'd buy up all these small promotions and take all their talent, which is how their yeah. roster got so big. AEW has opened the door with Impact and Ring of Honor and NJPW and a couple other promotions and said, hey, we want this person and this person to come wrestle on our show so we can give them a little bit of shine. And then we're going to trade belts in a way. And Kenny Omega went and won the impact championship. And he's been the triple a champion from Mexico for the last like two and a half years. And they've done a really good job of letting people kind of realize that there's more out there than just what's on your TV every week. Yeah, You can actually go yeah. out there and watch matches on YouTube and all the, random streaming services and they're also letting letting their roster do other things too they're not like oh you're our property and you can only wrestle for us and you can't like self-promote and you can't do things in other you know you can't go to japan and do a wrestling tour like unless it's you know wwe sponsored 
Well, I think that that's all that is awesome. My, again, I think the thing is like, they haven't had it. Well, as far as I know, they haven't had any, any of that burn them at this point. And there's a chance that at some point someone will get hurt in a match that's, you know, foreign or whatever. And and that, that is a, that's the risk of all that. Right. Always. But it is cool to your point, Benoit Balls, that the, like the kind of more um, ecumenical nature of it and letting people see like, yeah, there's lots of different uh federations that do different types of wrestling and and kind of making it more like um more like soccer i guess which is a weird comparison but kind of making it more like international soccer where there are like different international leagues people can transfer from one league to another or whatever people can be loaned and and it's 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 cool like that's that's one of the things that's really fun about international soccer Chid, why are you so worried about AEW? AEW is doing fine. You've done I'm nothing worried, but voice concerns. I'm worried. I'm worried because it seems good. That's the <laughs> thing. If I watched it and I was like, this sucks, I would not care at all. But my concerns are all founded in the fact that it seems like a cool and interesting product. And and I uh, I don't know. I if my You don't want it to turn history, into WWE? Not, it's not even that because I don't think it will turn into WWE. My experience in life is that when cool and interesting things and semi-innovative things happen they tend to uh die quickly mm. um so that is not uh you know i don't know it, it just it tends to be the way sometimes things work and um i hope that they uh keep it going and, and and keep kind of expanding and having success and also i hope to watch more of it uh in the coming years it also seems like way more family friendly than I, well, I guess I don't know what WWE is fucking doing. I haven't watched it in 20 years. But um, when I last left WWE, someone, a woman gave, an old woman gave birth to a hand. Uh, and also, <laughs> The last time you watched uh, WWE was the fabulous Moolah giving birth to a hand. I mean, like, that was the era that I watched it in, yes. When she gave birth to a hand and, like, someone else's, and another old woman's uh, boobs were exposed on a pay-per-view. And there's, like, lot, just lots of, like, you know it was very horny and very like not i was like 13 so it was fine but like not the kind of thing that probably i should have been watching had i been six like where wwf when i was six was kind of okay for kids but i feel like AEW is like aligned properly where if my son is interested in professional wrestling when he's six or seven or whatever like it feels like the kind of thing that i could record and show him matches and stuff well you've created a new concern for me chid and it's that you're going to fuck my cats. Please don't fuck my cats. Chid, <laughs> don't fuck my cats. Chid, don't fuck my cats. Chid, don't fuck my cats. I you, I mean, I'm sorry, but that's the... Benoit Balls, tell him not to fuck my cats. Chid, please don't fuck size cats. I, I'm not horny for them. Like, And again, like I'm not a Stuart Copeland type lover, so it'll be quick and easy for them. Uh, easy breezy. But like, honestly, like that's... You you led me into this. Bit. I, I didn't. <laughs> I did not lead you. In the words anywhere. of Taylor Swift, "Look what you made me do. Look what you made me do. Look what you just made me do." I hate that so much. I know. I know you hate that. Right. It's it's just the the change in the pattern. Look what you just made me do. <laughs> uh, it's a bad song. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, well. Uh, Benoit Balls, any final thoughts on AEW? Uh, I can't really think of anything. Uh, I'm just, I guess I'm just waiting to watch the second hour of Dynamite tonight because Orange Cassidy gets to wrestle Miro for uh, a spot in the final against everyone's new favorite, Brian Danielson. 
Well, we really wow. appreciate you taking the time to DVR it, even though you complained in the DM that we were recording during AEW Dynamite. Well, and then, yeah, we do. And then Chid said I needed to tape it like it's, you know, 1914. And- yeah, you got to tape it. I just said I'll tape matches for my son. I'll put them on tape. You got to put them on videotape. Obviously, I'm a real tape eater in this household. Mm. I watch the tapes. I learn from the tapes. Like some people say, she doesn't watch the tapes. Well, I watch the tapes. No one says you, you don't watch the, the tapes. tapes around- if you roll back the tapes of rounding down, you'll hear that I listen to the tapes. I know what's on the tapes. Do you know what's on the tapes, Cy? Yeah, especially lately. But I I, re- I record them digitally. Wait, hang on. Who's coming in? I think I hear two friends coming oh. in. This is weird. Oh, and no. I think we got to get to plugs. But it, it looks like our friend, the Sherbert Pervert. Oh, is hey, returning. guys. It's me, the Sherbert wow, Pervert. And, and it looks like uh, our other friend, the uh, the Kangaroo King, is back. <laughs> Hello, it's me, the Kangaroo King. Shabbat Pavard. How are you tonight? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing quite well. I'm the sh- yeah, You're the Shabbat Pavard. Tell me, what makes you a Pavard for Shabbat? Well, it's cold and it's got a really good mouthfeel. I don't care for the word mouthfeel. Would you characterize the Shabbat as silky? Yes. That's quite nice. Do you think that Stuart Copeland is one of the greatest lovers of all time? If I had to say one thing about Stuart Copeland, it would be that that guy fucks. Oh, I, 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 I'm from Jupiter, Florida, and we have our fair share of men who don't know how to fuck. Would you characterize yourself as a good lover? Oh, I would characterize myself as a positive man and a great aroma for any any young men out there. More importantly, what's your favorite flavor of sherbet? I call it sherbet. A so I call it sorbet. And my favorite flavor sorbet is uh, kookaburra flavored. Do you fuck it? Uh, I, I don't. I don't fuck Shabbat. And in fact, I, I think fucking Shabbat makes you a pavit. No one asked for your opinion. Okay, well, I, I'll have to agree to disagree with you on that. Here's a knife. That's not a knife. Hey, I, I, I don't it's think you know what a knife is. I don't, I, I, oh, all right. Agree to disagree. See you later. Bye. Wow. What a weird, uh, Benoit Balls, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, oh shit. No, I, I, I got nothing to plug really. Um, I just, I don't know how to respond to fucking Sherbert at this point. So <laughs> do you think? Let, let, be honest this is a serious question i'm a hard-hitting journalist i'm a real diane sawyer type and i'm not going to ask you any more mm. questions for tonight serious question do you think when you were in high school and you stopped watching wrestling that you should have gone back to yourself and said instead of giving up wrestling to focus on getting girls you should give up wrestling to focus on fucking sherbet <laughs> do you think that you should give yourself that advice i mean at the point in life that I am right now, I don't see how it would have changed all that much. So yeah, why not? <laughs> that checks out actually. <laughs> I always appreciate your honesty. Side, do you owe anything you'd like to plug tonight? Uh, yeah, two quick things. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you for everyone who's donated so far uh, to the holiday fundraiser that I'm doing for Planned Parenthood of Texas. 
Uh, the link is still in my profile. It's going to be there till the end of December. Uh, I'm matching my initial. So basically my initial goal was $500 and I'm matching that, but it would be great to, to get above that. So if, if you do have a couple dollars you could spare, I do have a GoFundMe link on my Twitter feed um, and it's in the link in my bio. Uh, if you just want to toss a couple bucks towards that. Sai, you know, when you say you're matching something that that means you're giving the same amount. That no, I said set. I'm matching my initial goal, which was $500. So, but matching means you're going to give 500. I just, I just want you to know that you can't give $5 and say, I've matched it. You have to give the $500. Oh yeah. Thank you. I was planning on giving the $500. Okay. Okay. Just making sure, you know, like, cause I, I, I don't like one time, like, you know, like I was hanging out with, uh, mill, 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 and in spite of having all the money in the world, that guy did not like to share his money and his wealth. And one time, like we were like, we were splitting a check at Denny's and it was like, you know, $42 and he matched my $26 by putting down like $10. That was the kind of guy. He was. Oh, well, I don't appreciate the comparison between me and Millip. I, I do know how to match. <laughs> I appreciate the math correction. It's very helpful. But, uh, you know, I have a picture of you and I hugging at my wedding. I, I thought that we were closer than that, that you would compare me to Millip. You're not a Millip type, believe me. Again, sh- I should have married his grandmother. Um, okay. Yeah. I'm going to just plug uh, thinking about all of the ways that you can make a wealthy uh, uh, heiress fall in love with you, who's an old woman, <laughs> and encouraging people to do that. I did have a second plug, though. You didn't let me finish. well let me finish my plugs now can i can i finish uh so first uh i'm gonna let you finish uh, thank you for letting me finish if you are associated with a wealthy old woman who wants love certainly find a way to make her fall in love with you so you can uh you can become wealthy and think about the ways you're able to do that um also of course you can follow us on twitter i'm at chitspin size at Sai benoit balls is at at benoit underscore balls is that true what's your twitter uh, at exactly? uh, benoit underscore balls with two s's at the end of it two s's balls benoit balls i want to thank you for uh making me explain to my wife what benoit balls are <laughs> i mean your wife should be listening to more blink 182 my man yeah or probably tom DeLong could have explained or it to watching yeah. more archer or something like that yeah either or yeah mm-hmm. uh, sorry what was your second plug uh my second plug is for chid not to fuck my cats <laughs> <laughs> please don't fuck my cats I, okay, this bit is over. I'm not gonna. I don't. I don't believe in bestiality or uh, you know anything like that. So this bit is over. I'm not gonna fuck size cats. Thank God. But I will say I am gonna pay Stuart Copeland, who's a little bit hard up for cash right now, to fuck your cats because your cats deserve a, an easy lover like Stuart Copeland. <laughs> yeah, that's it's a famous song by Stuart Copeland and the Police. Easy lover. That's easy lover. <laughs> that's what he's saying. It's a, it's a police song. Well. For Sai, for Benoit Balls, for myself, as always, fuck you. See ya later. Rounding Down is created by Chid. Produced by Sai Pieri. Music by Corey Major. Artwork by Sean Mills. This was a Buzzcast Network production. Bow, bow.